We're outside the travel agency, a cannabis store that's got everyone buzzing. When I walked in, I felt like I was in the elite of the skies, like I'm about to get elevated and lifted in the best way. Got the important essential things. I need sleep, so tinctures, salves to relax my body, right? The best New York flowers. Come down to the travel agency and see for yourself. For use only by adults age 21 and older. Keep out of reach of children and pets. In case of accidental ingestion or overconsumption, contact the National Poison Control Center. Consume responsibly. Welcome, welcome to the Cult of the Collective Commentary. Commentary. Featuring Dave A.C. The Sixth Randall Thor. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Yes, we're almost out of time. We're almost out of Doctor Who. But we've got this episode to go. Dave, is you got a sort of skin problem? You got something growing on your face? Uh, it's just a golden glow, I think. Ah, yes, yes, yes. You just been at the sweets again, haven't you? You just want to put a wrapper on your face. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could be careful about about leaving wrappers around because you get bugs. Where's Mike? He he had a golden ticket. He lost it, but he's off chasing it with a butterfly net. Well, he's, he's got to be careful. He might, he might catch a mite and have more trouble than they're worth. All right. <laughs> That's not enough clues of what we're talking all over the top of. Apart from the fact it's this week's episode. <laughs> we're talking all over the top of Nightmare and Doctor Who. Uh, I mean, sorry, Nightmare and Silver. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Uh some stern reviews today on the Colton Collective, but you can hear about that later, or maybe you just did. So, without any further ado, I think we should pop on our official copies of Nightmare and Silver. Are you ready, Dave? I am indeed. All right. Well, if everybody's ready at home, we shall begin. I'll count everybody in. In five, four, three, two, one, play. The obligatory planet in the sky? Yeah. Not as real as you think. We, we, is this uh, day on the moon again? <laughs> Twix world. See? It's proof that moon landings were faked. Yeah. What wind's holding that flag up? <laughs> <laughs> the moon base. Ah. <laughs> Which is... Mm. Really, nobody brought that up, actually. Uh, Spacey Zuma. Spacey Zuma. Ah, there he is. Yeah. Jason Watkins. He's just. Oh. I gotta say, that Jason Watkins. If if nobody has seen, if, if, if I don't know why you wouldn't have seen it, but if you have not seen, um, being human. Uh, Jason Watkins is is fantastic in that. He's just so. While since we've seen the psychic paper, mm. yeah. But yeah, you may have also seen uh, Jason. Um, of course, he played Herrick in Being Human, um, but his other equivalents include Lark Rice to Candleford, uh, Little Dorrit, Psychoville, 
Dirk Gently, and uh, as Gavin in Sky's, uh, was it Troll Lead? Hmm. But he's a fantastic actor. I mean, he just, uh, he plays normal so well, but evil at the same time and, and, and being human. And it's just fantastic. All right. Now, that scene promised a lot, didn't it? It did. It did. Um, Is that the shard in the background? <laughs> That's all. It looked like the shard. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's it's kind of a bit of a bait and switch. You get that lovely landscape of the you know broken yeah. down, and then then we go in here. Mm. Just still don't understand what he's doing there. It's only well, been there for six months, but the place was broken down when he got there, and he just what made made himself a home. Presumably, he's using that almost like a house, really, at like this mm. little section. Of course, I'm not going to talk too much about the children because we already covered them. In, uh, in the season opener, the uh, Bells of St. John. Um, and I think, no offense to the to, to the uh, to the, the two wonderful little actors, uh, they're not really given much to do in this, and uh, it well, just doesn't really work. But that worked. That, that was dead creepy. Uh, yeah. That was dead creepy. And this really, I mean... Um, as far as new episodes go and everything, I mean, uh, Callum's never really paid too much attention to the Cybermen. I mean, he's seen pictures and stuff like that. And we've had the odd episode on, but not that he's really paid attention to. This episode, he paid attention. Whenever they were on screen, he'd give his little squeal and, oh no! So, uh, job done, kid-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the funny thing is that I didn't really realize, looking at it now, is that when they upgrade a little bit later, they, the whole the whole change. I, I didn't realize this was an old one. Ah, uh, in, in comparison, yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of missed that, which is a shame. Ooh, somebody's got bugs. How many times have they used that in Doctor Who when they, you know, he's been observed, often by the master, of course, but mm. you know, not in this case. Uh. Oh. Hmm. All done with mirrors, I expect. <laughs> <laughs> this is done very well. Whoever is doing the, um, and I've probably got a name here somewhere. I'm not, not sure if it's going to tell me exactly who's in the uh, chess machine. But uh, very, well, very well done. Well, I'm assuming it'd be Aidan Cook, won't it? Mm. He's listed as a Cyberman, so he may well right. be doing this part as well. Yeah. There he yeah. is. Because I made a bit of a mistake, not unusual on today's program, when I said uh, should really call him Zaban, but really should call him the Turk, not Porridge. Right. It's the uh, the uh, the hoax from the uh, well, the early eighteen twenties, when it was a a supposedly mechanical chess playing machine yeah. with a man hidden inside. He does look a bit like Zaban. I mean. You know, I'm not saying it's a turban, but a uh, nice headdress that uh, that uh, Zarban's got on. 
We're just doing this for a name check, aren't we? <laughs> we name check him, he name checks us. No, um, you'll find that uh, if you have a hard time tracking down our, our commentaries on the TalkShoe page, which I know sometimes it's a little difficult weeding your way through, they're all categorized on uh, zaraband.com, which is a really lovely site, actually. Spacey Zuma! I must admit, that would be kind of cool. They need to come up with a ride like that, you know, uh, where you don't have to, you know, go up in a vomit comet or whatever. You can just keep bounce up and down on the moon. Well, they do those ones with streams of air, don't they, where you go in like a, mm. a tunnel and you wear these little special suits. Yeah, but even then, it's it's still a bit of a cheat. A bit of a cheat. Mm. That was a short trip. <laughs> Ready to go off. Yeah. But it just already it seems kind of limiting set wise. I mean, you know, we've got this whole park, and they go to basically back to Spacey Zuma, and jump up and down, and then go home. It's like we missed the rest of their adventure. You know, surely yeah. there's not a couple of other rides. You know, yeah. and I'm thinking if you've ever taken teenagers or young people to a, uh, somewhere like Disney World or that, it takes about ten hours to a, a tire them out. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because they're we, so hyped up. Yeah, we went to uh, um, Epcot, and we were there till the place dang well closed down. You know, we watched the fireworks, and then got out of there, and Liam was still wired. Yeah. Although he did say it was definitely the Magic Kingdom because the whole day, not one of us argued. Nobody argued. He goes, just, <laughs> on the way out, I said, oh, it was a pretty good day. Not one of us argued. He goes, this really is the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> one sandwich. I like that line. Chicken. Now that made me jump. Um, oh, from there. yeah. Mm. And the the this is dead creepy. It just yeah. kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Nothing worse than creepy crawlies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's quite a frightening for a kids program when you think or a yeah. family show. Now there's a lot of uh, stuff that I haven't managed to read yet on the on the screens when you see this. Um, the little spy cameras, like this one that says uh, a disassembly recommended upgrade. Mm. <laughs> mm. Well, I think it's good with pockets and skirts. Good. Yeah. I've got to ask her, it's like, how is she not aware of the Cybermen? Well, she's never met them yet. Or is it because of the reboot of the universe thing? I can never keep track. Uh, in t- oh, in terms of her ordinary life, you mean? Mm. Uh, yeah, looks like a big... I thought it was a giant eye when I saw that. Mm. I mean, of course, there were problems with that. Like, how do you blow up a whole star system? But... Reality bomb? True, yep. But, I mean, I guess the, the neat thing about it is it gives you this kind of... Uh, scene, and and I, and I think it is actually a, a highlight of of what has turned out to be not a great episode. This that that one speech there is 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 fantastic. Uh, it's like yeah, you know, I agree with things like that. Yeah, and of course in that scene we don't know whether he's referring to himself, even though we've got a bit of a timey wimey issue with dates. But I did right. have a little bit of an explanation for that, which I'll mention later. Yeah. 
Now, isn't this the same room they used in the uh, Doctor's Daughter one? It, it does kind of look like that, but it looks a lot more open. Um, I think it's just a, a similar setup. I don't know. But it could very well be, because I think it was a uh, disused theatre. A schoolroom with a stage or something, yeah. Now, this is the thing that gets me is... That's that, got staged there at the back, you see. Yeah. Yeah. She did figure it out, but she was told, right? She just... She says, here, let me come talk to you about something. She's telling her that he's not really porridge. He's the emperor, right? That's what I figured, anyway. So I'm like, right. she's not that smart, then. Uh, I think Darth too was saying today, or somebody was saying on the, on the collective, was like, could they have made more use of his collection of wax figures and had some more recognizable, yeah. you know, like the space museum sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Couldn't we had a Silurian or a Rachnos or, you know? I mean that 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 stone statue there, uh, the wing one, that could have been the, the one from the third Doctor one. Right. Come to you know five rounds rapid, you know. Yeah. Bot, bot was it? Uh, yeah, Bog. Chat with the wings. Fire yeah. rounds rapid. Aye. Well, I'd give a time check, by the way. We're at, uh, what, 10 minutes and 55 seconds. Yep. See, well, that, that that just took yeah. me out of it a bit. It's, it's yeah. like, I don't mind if they move fast, but it appeared they didn't move at all, and they just kind of did this fuzzy thing. Slide. But thing. I did like the effect that's coming up. Uh. The the slow mo thing oh. you he, see here, I like the way he's moving that's here. Better. Yeah, that's better. The way he just gonna and and he's doing stuff. He's you know bending down, scooping the the, the kid up, and just the way they're moving, they're a little more agile, a little less stompy, you know. And of course, this was we think part of the remake, think, wasn't it? For I think you're right. Neil. Sorry, Dave. I think you're right. I think that is the same thing because that does look like a stage there. So it does yeah. look. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. As I say, the the remit for the story, wasn't it? Uh, as Mike said, was the uh, make the Cybermen more scary because right. they've been. I mean, it was so so. Some people were so upset that like um, you know three three uh, Daleks defeated like three ten thousand Cybermen. Right. Stay alive. Yep. <laughs> That's something they're likely to do. <laughs> now, when she got that badge, I thought, oh, that's gold. That's going to come into it. Right. I'm like, Edric! <laughs> uh, hello? I am Lucius of Borg. <laughs> I bet they wanted to say assimilated. Yeah. <laughs> and playing uh, Captain Ellis. Ellis! Who the hell is that? Sorry, is uh, Thames and Althwaite. Who, of course, is um, we might remember from uh, Paradox. She was uh, Dia Rebecca Flint. Ah, uh, yes, that was where I was trying to think. Mm-hmm. And I until I just saw that, I was like, now I know, because, yeah, uh, it was bugging me. Uh, but she's also been in Law and Order UK, um, Silent Witness, Foils War. Uh, she's uh, just uh, in, produ- in post-production right now as uh, Marple's Endless Night. She plays Mrs. Philpot. And uh, also uh, playing Nikki's mum in Far Out, Far In. 
but she's also been Hotel Babylon, Vital Signs, Red Cap, and East Enders. But no sign. Oh, but I'm glad you said the other one, the uh, that uh, sun one. That was was it. Been niggling me where I saw it from. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I miss that show. How many times does the doctor stare into a monitor or screen and say, "You know, they're under my they're protection. Under my, yeah. I, I'm coming now." That's going to be Matt's thing oh. at the moment. They're under my protection. Oh. Cleaners, the cleaners need to come in. <laughs> oh yes, what are you drinking? Oh yes, um, I am drinking a, a Jacqueline Bayhu Petite Syrah. It's really quite nice. I'm really quite fond of Petite Syrahs. And I'm drinking a Cote de Catalan French wine made from the Grenache grape. 2011 and uh, 39% and it's very pleasant. Mm. Now, that that was the other thing I didn't mention. Um, they keep saying hail the doctor because he's brought them children. Right. Now, he's brought them two children. They're not going to make an army of Cybermen out of two children. No, I mean, they're using their brains uh, for the cyber planner. They're using the imagination of a child. That's the whole reason why they mm. wanted the children. But, of course, at a moment... You know, they'll discover that the doctor is far more valuable for that. Uh, now, some people in the collective you said that far. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I love that line. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, uh, we're disappointed with this episode, but, uh, but what surprised me was not that, but they were disappointed with Clara in this. I thought Clara stepped up to the mark pretty well, right. and she had the justification for doing that with the two children, because there they are saying, are you my nanny? And she's saying, yeah, and I will protect you, you know. Right. Now, uh, the one thing that got me is, is how um, quickly he's been upgraded. I mean, yeah, they're using, like, liquid metal here, aren't they? Yeah, but, I mean, his is far more yeah. advanced than anybody else's. You know. Yeah. I'm not human. Now, there's a couple of points where this gets reinforced. So, Eighth Doctor people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. It was quite frightening in parts for all the... uh, Right. Well, to be honest, um, this disturbed Callum. Callum That went quick, yeah. Yeah, Callum was quite concerned about the owie that the doctor had on the side of his face every time he saw the doctor like that. He's like, doctor, owie, doctor, owie. (laughs) Which is great, to be honest. I mean, it's like, yeah, he's concerned and and he's a bit bit frightened of the the, the Cybermen, but that's what ingrains this show in your head. Look at the screens behind. Mm -hmm. Now, this, this again... uh, was reminding me a little bit of uh, like the third Doctor mm. at Gallifrey going into the Matrix because inside his head is almost the field of battle, isn't it? The fourth, yes. Was it the fourth? Yeah. 
Force Doctor went into the. Uh, oh, which is the one where Pertwee is um, is is fighting with a creature in the black. Hmm. I don't know. That's on the back of a postcard, folks. There's definitely one where the the third Doctor's fighting. Hmm. Hmm. I think. Oh, no. um... Mr. Clever. <laughs> Nobody who's clever calls themselves Mr. Clever. <laughs> I think it would be more impressive if they'd actually showed in the background going on while they were talking re- all the regenerations. You know, we've had, as people said on Collective Day, we've had this, you know, showing all the faces of the Doctor. Now it's getting a bit old. It's like we do this every series, you know. Ah, if one of his earlier regenerations had been the form that had been taken here. I think Darth suggested that. Yeah. Yeah. Would be a great show. Great, I mean, would have knocked everyone's socks off if McGanja had showed up as being the alternate, you know? Yeah. I'm watching, sorry. Yes. We're in the game. Yep. Ah, Celestial Toymaker comes to mind. Oh. Uh, Again, there was a a division (laughs) on uh, Matt's performance in this episode as well. Um, I think he pulls it off, but um, it's not a tour de force. No. Now, the thing that always bugs me is when people complain about is what he's doing and the, the kind of, you know, he's throwing himself around and, and everything while it may be a little over the top and may not agree with your perception of how things go. I would like to say that it's bloody difficult. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, crazy itself is not an easy thing to play. And uh, playing this duality is not easy at all. You're keeping track of two characters. Um, and, you know, flipping back and forth between the two. I've, I've had to do it in a show before and uh, it, it's quite taxing because you're, you're playing yeah. two different characters and you're trying to create some kind of separation while still being you. And yeah. So, I mean, I, I tend to look at it from the acting standpoint and, um, whether you like the performance or not is one thing, but um, I do take exception with people saying, you know, oh, he's not really acting or he's just acting the goat or he's just playing. It's not. I'm sorry. It's acting and he's he's doing a... I hate, I hate doing this to people, but he's doing a better job than you could do. Because um, <laughs> he could. You know, he is. It's... He's doing yeah. a very good job of, of, of doing what he's told in the script. Um which is doing that. So uh, nobody that, say nothing against him. <laughs> in that last sign, of course, uh, we saw two things. First of all, we saw what seemed to be um, 
uh, the 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 sound overlaid of the Cybermen walking because seemed to be some indecision about whether they should stomp or not. Right. And then of course the the uh, removable hand there, yeah, uh, he couldn't which, be bothered to walk over to her. Yeah. Like she was lying on the ground already. It's like, oh, why do you just need to send a hand? Um. Yeah, this is where things get you like, hmm, why is she being so barky at porridge? Um. But, but he's already given us that answer, I think, already. He, 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 the way he spoke to her earlier, I right then I knew that there was something going on. You know? All right. Now, have we had Siberia had used before in reference to the, the Cybermen? No. Was that a not, new terminology? It's a new terminology as far as I, but my memory's not perfect. Right. But it, it didn't it didn't ring a bell with me. Here we go, some more yeah. history. <laughs> uh, Cleaning fluid. Now, what's that Hi. from? That's from... Um, oh, there we go. Cleaning fluid. That's from... Oh, Not Will in Space, is it? Think so. Uh, the, the one where Jamie, I've only sort of seen clips, but the Jamie's in the the, the Medi Bay or whatever, and he gets up and the Cyberman's there. I think. Snow bears. I want to see the snow bears dancing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to see the snow bears dancing. It's not fair. <laughs> They can come up with at least just a lovely picture that, you know, these words that they say. And it's like, I want to see the bears, the bears dancing. Right, I got to say, Warwick Davis, lovely performance in this. Um, uh, just, yeah, well, I think he is. I mean, my brother-in-law thought he'd, he'd basically just walk through this part. But mm. I think that's because he's trying to be as un un emperish as he can be, if you know what I mean. Right. Oh, you, you notice that, that the wording she she puts in there when he, he says, "I for yeah you know, you know She says, "Oh, don't do that." And he goes, "Yeah, what she said." And she says, "You ran away." She's ah. talking to him. She says, "You ran away." Now there was some confusion as to where the shot came from. I thought it came from the cyber mate, but there's uh, from the, the cyberman uh, that. Uh, there's some lovely movement work going from the going on. Um, I don't know if we've still got the same uh, choreographer that we had uh, with RTD when we first got the Cybermen in. Uh, uh, I'm just just doing a lovely job with the movements. I'm just thinking as well. This this scene looks like the castle they use for um, you know the almost people. And, mm. Could very well be. So a lot of set reusing going on in this, I think. Mm. I do have a feeling that, the, I mean, obviously there's one more episode after this. They couldn't compromise on the budget for the last one. Hopefully they couldn't. This might have been the one that got a little bit squeezed in terms of time. Mm. Uh, oh. Yeah, I just... Uh, I don't... You see, the, the one thing that bugs me is that we get 
a sign of intelligence from the Cybermen and doing the, the, the whole head thing. It's like, oh, they know that they've got these weapons and they know how to, um, they know how to trick them. That's just, you know, they're showing their intelligence, but we don't get them speaking. We used to get them like, at least in the earth shock, at least, you know, we get exposition for them. Oh, it's the doctor, you know, um, as, as cheesy as it was, at least we got them talking, you know, All right. Now everything's going on in the cyberspace. It's yeah. Siberia. But I think this just makes it more frightening in one sense. Although I must admit, I think I agree with Ken. Uh, uh, the horrific scene in you know the Battersea Power Station where mm. they're upgrading them, and I've done my duty, and right. you know these great big uh, swirling chainsaws come down over their heads. Mm. I mean that that sends shivers down you. But on the other hand, in terms of speed in battle, that is an upgrade. Right. So I, 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 some people said, yeah. I mean, some people think she played a different part, but I think that you know. It's her, consistent. Well, I, I don't think her concern lasted. I mean, she just, you know, that that was the only real kind of concern we got from them, from her uh, over the kids. And I, I just, I think she saw more compassion and more concern for people she's known a lot, you know, less. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Now, why I, did you bring the northern accent in I here? I thought I that was a good Eccleston, actually. I think that's what. I think it's actually a, a, a decent. Uh, uh, because that's what I thought it was. Well, Lonzi is the 10th Doctor, isn't it? Well, he did. He did he's doing a mix. That's why he says, uh, mm. you know, he said some cowboys in here, you know. Oh yeah, or ten, 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 yeah. Uh, do up. Uh, what did he say? Okay. Remakes, makeovers. Yeah. Hmm. I think that, seven of nine carried that look off a bit better myself. Hmm. And one thing I don't understand is why they're even bothering with all of this now. Um, why haven't they built a ship yet? What they need a cyber planet to build a ship? Uh, you know, they've got all of the. We'll see them waking up soon, and but. They, they couldn't have spent the time building a ship. Yeah. But again, the assumption, I suppose, is they need they need a cyber leader. They've got the troops, mm. um, but they need this great mind to, to, to lead them. So... Uh, is, are you warming to this episode a little somewhat? No, no, oh, really. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm finding. Well, I mean, there's things I like. I mean, I, I like Matt's acting in here. Um, you know, um, some people have really kind of tried poking holes in it, and I, I, I really don't think that's fair. I mean, there's just some really lovely stuff from him. I mean, he's doing what's in the script. To be honest, if you don't like what he has yeah. to do, that, but you know. Um, his performance is not to be faulted. 
um, because he's doing a brilliant job. Yeah, I, I didn't really. I must admit, I didn't really notice the music the first couple of times I watched this, mm. and there was again some criticisms of that. But I suppose you could argue it's 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 stock music they're using or reusing, but but most of it fits the. I mean, I suppose it depends on how good you are at analysing it. Mm. But uh, the colour palette does seem a bit all over the place. Right. You know, that and the, 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 the castle isn't funny. No. no, that's true. But some of these look like they, they've been done as screensavers more than plot this, devices. This was a nice scene. Right. Except nobody's there to see it. You know what I mean? There's nobody right. around to witness it except the viewer. Which would be far more, I think, horrifying if they were standing there and realised that all these Cybermen are coming out of hibernation. That is reminiscent of Tomb of the Cybermen, right. I suppose. Though. Yeah. But there we had witnesses. You know, there it was like, nobody. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I do love the movements of the Cybermen in this. I mean... I think they're a lot. Uh, we've got now. We're getting them a little more like, at least as I mean, I'm used to the kind of the '80s, you know, '70s, '80s Cybermen that moved a little freer, weren't quite so stumpy. I like the more streamlined look. I must have been. Mm. And if you look at that back wooden wall that's behind her there, that looks like the one they used for Voyage of the Dam. Um, can't be though, can it? It's like the panel walls. Right. Mm. She is gorgeous. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> and close-ups are, are her thing. Yeah. If you've seen the the prequels, listeners, uh, there's there's one scene where she's standing statue-like, and and she's just got this smile playing, just playing across her face. It's not a smile, really. It's just like a. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's oh. funny. Yeah. Oh. That's an odd statement. The more what? every time I hear it, it's an odd statement. What? Well, she says, "I know you well enough to know that you would never say it." It is, well, just well, see them, they've known each other long enough. But she knows his uncomfortability. Yeah. That's not right. I mean, he did that, he did that bit where he put his arm around her and then thought. Yeah. <laughs> this was ridiculous. That, that, that scene didn't work. It looked like toys. Yeah. I'm sorry, it looked like that, a modern that, shot. That is a. Well, it is a model in the background, but that didn't work. No, that it's, was... it's all CG, which yeah. means there's no excuse for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it, that... Uh... It's really a letdown surprise. Think it, with high definition, you've really got to do better than that on that. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised it got in, to be honest. I mean... I mean, I hate picking on the, the CG guys because, I mean, it's like the actors, they, they're doing what they're told. But it's like, mm. yeah. And then there's one with no, no others, obviously, in the background. Right. 
you'd think there'd have been at least five, but they just did it with one, didn't they? Well, oh, they got oh, we've got a couple of feet behind him. Well, there's at least five because I think we get five coming through the in, right. in the castle a little bit later. And that's Haha, which is interesting because I don't think we've ever had him named in here, but apparently the character's name is Haha. Um, but he's being played um, uh, by uh, Calvin Dean. And uh, he's uh, he was in the Sarah Jane Adventures, uh, The Gift, as Chris. Um, oh. uh, but his breakthrough came in uh, The Duchess. Uh, and he was critically acclaimed for his uh, first lead role as uh, Darren Mullet in Tormented. And he's also appeared in shows uh, like Demons, Law and Order UK, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give Special you. Day. <laughs> yes, Special Day. There we go. Unfortunately, because he's, it's probably because he's a ginge, I don't know the other guy's name. All right. I got a listing for him because probably because he's a ginge. I think that's a UK thing, though. Nobody, I don't think they're hard on the ginger over here. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the one somebody was saying that why did he give them back? But right. the point is, he was assuming that they'd be all taken over a bit, so it's only a small concession at this point. Well, and also too, I think I think the doctor knew what he was doing, and he knew what is it out. You know, he had an out plan, but he wanted to make sure that the kids were disconnected, mm. so he could be free to execute them. Otherwise, he could use them as hostages. Mm. That second head blowing, by the way, just looked like the set, the first head blowing from a second, a different angle. Yeah, reused. I think we've had a bit of cheap. Yeah. And uh, uh, now, yeah, yeah, go on. Uh, um, yeah, I think he's been severely underused, unfortunately. Oh, I thought you were going to say about the the fact that that stunner was supposed to be applied to the back of the neck. Mm-hmm. Oh, I um, got my theories about that. Yeah, I didn't like that turnaround. No, I mean it's logical that they could do it, I suppose. Oh, that's a bit now. That is very mm. bored, like, isn't it? Mm. You, you kill the first, you kill the second, you kill the third. Right. The shields on the fourth, you know. Yeah. See, to me, it, it, it's, it's like, okay, so now we're going to have, you know, Invincible Cyberman. Uh, I don't know. I don't Doesn't mind de- developing shields. Yeah. But to so it's do like it, it seemed to be adapting to everything. They adapted quickly, the water, yeah. they adapted the gold. Uh, yeah, I mean, who, who's actually... I mean... Each Cyberman can't upgrade themselves. Mm. You'd think there'd be like a cascade effect going through them where, you know, they all get a, an over-the-air upgrade, as it were. Mm. I mean, that's what's happening. You know, the, the first one's figuring out how to adapt, and then he's passing on the information to the rest. Mm. Oh. Siberiad. What, Stenisal yeah. Lem? Oh. Sorry, that's a series of uh, humorous short stories by uh, by Stanislavlin. You say that ten times. <laughs> yeah. Now oh, I've got my next clip for uh, Friday Night Trivia. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. Right. My wife um, actually pointed that out the other night. Go, there you go, there's your clip. 
Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> uh, we're just at 37 minutes and uh, 15 seconds. I guess I like the fact that, the, that it wasn't that he didn't come, you know, give him a sleep command or or whatever. He actually, it, it was the, the cyber planner that was like saying, well, I need all your processing power, so stop what you're doing, you know. Uh, See ya. Uh, <laughs> like that. See ya. <laughs> mm. That's the only funny thing in the whole place is that lollipop at the door. Right. That was a good line, too. <laughs> Bossy, it's so funny. It's cute, actually. Yeah, it's cute yeah. as hell. Which I think is a great line, because, you know, you know it's so funny because it's damn cute, you know. I think you're warming. Warming to it. No, I'm just I, think, I think it's just the high expectations on it. I, it's, well, actually, it's... it's <laughs> the funny thing is, 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 is when people start... Um, Pissing on actors. <laughs> I get a little. My nose gets out of your weight and so, but uh, uh, I, I, I do like Matt's performance. The mm. kids were badly written. I don't blame them as far as acting goes, which a lot of people have been doing, and I think, don't think that is fair either, because A, they are children. Right. They were cast in the very beginning episode for a very brief second. So when I roll back into this, you know, they're being thrust into yet another story. Watch them in something else and then tell me that they're rubbish. You know, it's, uh, not, it's, it's not a great I, story for them to shine in. So, you know. I think they were adequate to the role. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have had some brilliant young actors in the series. Mm. So against with, that comparison, they may seem a little yeah. stilted. But with far more important roles... And a lot more lines. Um, you know, looking back at um, oh, the Rings of Akatan, you know, Ella Jones' daughter, she was fantastic. But she had a character. She had a full-on fledged character. and That was a good transition. Mm. Now here we are at a, at a very, very familiar location. Um, uh, what's it called? The Hall of... Um, oh, cool. Uh, so is it a Welsh Assembly one, is it? Yeah, it's at... Uh, oh, it's been used in everything. Ah, can't remember it now. See, if Mike was uh, not busy, you know... And, of course, that great window there looks like the um, the Christopher Eccleston story, doesn't it? Mm. When they're watching The End of the World. What was that story called? End of the World? Yes. Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh. You see, the, the mm. problem with this too is that we, we've got so much development that could have happened but never did. You know, what, what's the story behind this fella? You know, um, so much more could be made of that. Um, we could have had a little more development from. The, the the what was the decision that that or the order that they didn't follow that they were relegated to doing this job on this planet you know it's like we're just missing stuff 
but I don't know. Um, I can't make my mind up because the, 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 I mean, in one sense, I mean, what they've usually done in a situation like this where the story's basically ended, they've just had a short episode. We've, we would have ended at 42 minutes. Uh, we've got this bit now, which I, I know you're saying is unsatisfactory because it's not given us the background, but mm. it's, it's long enough to wonder why they aren't doing those things. You almost think they might have been better, you know, cutting the whole episode down to 42 minutes. Right. You know, like you could cut that whole bit about the proposal out because there he is explaining stuff, which he could have been explaining throughout the episode as to why he was there. Um, you know, they didn't need to keep his identity a secret that long. We could have found out more about him. Um, we just didn't. And it's a shame. It's the, the, the really. It's still the, the my main bugbear with Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who. Yes, I'm blaming Stephen for everything. Um, it's just this lack of development of these people that we just don't care about. Right. Now, at least the the kids are going. I'm wondering whether that phone's a phone where they can call the doctor. Because mm. one of the things you've not liked in the previous season of course was uh, the fact that anybody and his brother could call the doctor you right. know Elizabeth Tenor whatever yeah it's Wednesdays it don't you hey does that mean uh, there's an agenda folks yeah, the Wednesday it's agenda. moving to Wednesdays <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. well because the ratings are in the toilet you know <laughs> well there was a little thing called the FA Cup going on yeah. you know? Temple of Peace is what we were missing ah I love that. <laughs> Screw it, it's way too tight. Oh, hang on, I shouldn't be thinking it's like that. It's definitely better lit. It was not built, that set, when it was so dark. It was just not built. I know it was the mood of him on the cloud. Mm. That, those steps are pretty uh, plasticky looking. And that oh. looks like science in the library uh, shot. <laughs> right. Well, it's one of those things where you try... I mean, it's, the thing is, it's, it's a beautiful ah. set location. Is it a head that or not? Is it a head or is it a cybermat? Or a no, cybermite? I think it was a head, I think. And here we go is uh, the lead into. Uh, I, I didn't expect Strax and uh, these back, did you? Oh, well, I don't know, but he was, he was welcome because we were like, oh my God, look who it is. And Callum goes, Strax! Well. Nice landing. Mm. Any, any landing here? Ooh. Die reptile. I didn't catch that before. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Mm. Apparently, a game changer for the show. Uh, well, some people already know. Apparently, they've got the Blu-rays already. Yeah. Um, so, if, if if you're listening to this, you know, as soon as it goes out, uh, be be warned, because um, there is. Uh, uh, BBC, the, the BBC America shop, uh, for some reason, shipped early. And so there's a bunch of Doctor Who fans out there who have already seen the last episode. They know the name of the Doctor. They know it's Fred. Um, Fred Doctor, yes. Um, Spinning his name all along. Um, but no, seriously. Uh, just just be aware of that on the internet that there's you know there are there are sites that are doing a good job to. Uh, separate the spoilers from uh, whatever their reviews are. I've seen there's a couple of reviews, reviews out there for the last episode uh, that are trying not to give anything away, but to give you an idea of the scope of the episode and 
whichever. But just uh, just be warned that, that there's a lot of information out there now. And uh, if you're trying to remain spoiler-free, this week is going to be much harder than it's ever been before. Yeah, apparently uh, BBC are frantically trying to get any torrents checked and at least taken down. Right. I mean, the BBC, it, I think um, they're not over uh, policing of uh, illegal downloads. I mean, um, a lot of the, uh, you know, although obviously if it comes to light and people are doing it for commercial gain, it would get stamped on quite rightly like anywhere else. Right. But I mean, you know, the BBC attitude to fandom has been a pretty, you know, easygoing street. But that's because there's also been um, a give and take. Uh, this isn't the fans that have done it, of course. It's the, yeah. it's the, a mistake. Yeah. Um, but but um, anybody who's going to try and profit from it, um, they're, yeah. they're going to come down and uh, hopefully... I mean, basically, uh, I think you said it... It, it was giving you a little bit of a dilemma of um, do you keep off the internet for a week or not? Um, right. But still. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does raise the question. It's like if, if and like Dave said, it's, a, it's probably not worth uh, trying to torrent it. You know, if you're somebody who does regularly torrent, and there are people that do, um, that uh, it might be a good idea not to bother with this because if, like Dave said, if they've been, if they have been lenient, if they haven't been policing it, because, you know, they'd rather that the show got out there or whatever. I don't know. Um, now would not be a good time to do such a thing if it showed up. Because, um, you know, they're well, probably paying attention now. Yeah, there's a president for this, if you remember. About uh, two or three years, a couple of years ago, uh, there's a, a few things in the podcasting community. Uh, and some, 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 not podcasters, by the way, but somebody had, had started commercially selling t-shirts with uh you know uh, you know copyrighted writing on it mm. caught in the crossfire were quite a few podcasters that were right. doing their own shirts that might have had you know it was their logo but mm. somewhere in the logo might have been similar sighted font that the bbc used or this number and because the bbc couldn't go after the people who were making money on it they had to close the door on everybody, and right. quite a few of the podcasting community were asked uh, in very strong terms. You know, they couldn't sell that T-shirt anymore, yeah. and that was everybody's nose was put out joint yeah. because of some people, you know, making a commercial gain out of it. So that's why hopefully the fans will respond to this and um, and shun that. Um, and, and 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 let's face it, we have got hope for that, Ian. What was the what was the one when we had the the big screen, the very first episode of the series, uh, wasn't it? The Asylum of the Daleks, that was screened in the cinema, wasn't it? Uh, the first two episodes, I think, and nobody gave away any of the information. No. No. Uh, the information I'm talking about, of course, was the fact that nobody knew in the Asylum of the Daleks that the Clara character was going to make an appearance. Right. That was completely out of the blue. Yeah, I remember watching watching the uh, the episode with um, DM Walling, who used to be on the, the the collective, and we were we both looking at it. Isn't that? that yeah. Huh? Is yeah. it? That? And we didn't know what to say because you're like, uh, we were mistaking her for somebody else. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it was well good. Um, so yeah, just uh, just be careful and cautious of of, of what's going on and uh, um, 
if you're not a person who is tormented before, do not be tempted now. Um, just try and keep your head down. Um, stick to sites that, that you know are very good with spoilers and and keep them either you know at a different link or whatever. You know, just uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're on a, a pod shock. I think she was on pod shock with us, and um, she was saying, "Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, fans, for keeping that a secret." Mm. You know, none of the ones that have watched it in the cinema had given that. So it does show that some fans can rally round on these things. But right. um, anyway, we'll take time on that. We want yeah. to give a bit of a summation. Right, um, and uh, why don't you go first, Dave? Okay, well. I was, well, not strangely, well, I'm strange, but yeah, I was mostly in the minority in today's cotton because I I quite like this. And I think it's because, uh, first of all, I thought it was a weak start and I wasn't really keen on those child, child children coming along. I was betting that it was going to be a one-off adventure for them and I hope it still is. Right. Uh, a little bit like Rory's dad joining them for one adventure. Um and the other thing was that um, I'm not really, if I'm honest, uh, the biggest cyber uh, fan of Cybermen. Uh, I mean, I actually prefer the Santarans to the Cybermen, um, even though things like that have changed. I mean, I like things like the Time Warrior uh, and some of the early uh, ones with that and the Two Doctor story, even those that were a bit deflated potato heads. Uh, you know, but Cybermen have never been my real, uh, strongly um, favoured monster. Having said that, um, the reason why I was hopeful for this, not just because of the fact it was a Neil Gamer story, is that um, the Doctor's Wife episode, that of course he'd penned, um, that had, for me, when I first watched it, started off a bit weird with this, you know, mother and the uncle and these funny people wandering around, and I thought... I can't get my head around this Neil Gaiman guy. He's, he, he, he tells his stories from left field. And, of course, since then, I've uh, read Neverwhere, listened to the marvellous radio adaption of uh, Neverwhere, uh, talked to the, uh, the mythological uh, dimensions of Neil Gaiman guys um, about their book. And I'm more familiar with Neil Gaiman's style of uh, writing. And it, it is of a different kind to many of the other writers. I'm not saying it's better, although many people would, but it's definitely, there is a Neil Gaiman's style. And because of that, even though I didn't particularly like about the first 10 minutes of this, I'm thinking, well, that's how I felt about The Doctor's Wife when it started. And that really turned into a tremendously fantastic episode. The only thing that let that down, I think, was some of the uh, tireless corridors they came up with, um, uh, which, of course, we've had the journey to the centre of the TARDIS since then. So that's been rectified in my mind. But so for this one, although I wasn't particularly enjoying the first part of it, I thought, well, this is the sideways role. You like like the, the quirky guy coming out. Uh, you know, of the side, the Jason Watkins character coming, uh, you know, to say, is it safe to come out? And this, that, uh, you know, I'm thinking that's typically a Neil Gaiman character, Webley, wasn't it? Um, but then there's an awful lot in the dialogue here. And let me preface, preface what I'm going to say for the next few sentences with, I've got a feeling this was a very good script. 
when I do the editing for the audio clips, I concentrate obviously just on the audio without the pictures and the audio makes sense. Sometimes in this episode, the effects weren't particularly realised very well. I didn't like some of the movements of the Dalek, uh, Daleks, the Cybermen. <laughs> didn't didn't like the swivelling head. Uh, wasn't overly keen on the uh, sort of um, some of the 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 matte shots that we saw, uh, and one or two other things. There's nothing wrong yeah. with Bette Smith. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sorry, right. kidding, but this, kidding. yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but the point is, actually. If if some if this script of this new game and episode had come through your door and you'd read it, I think most people would be highly excited because it's there on the page. I think the transfer to the screen has not been fully realised. Whether that's because they were a little bit rushed. Remember, we're getting near the end of the season. Everybody's tired. They know they got the big push for the last episode. I don't know which sequence these were made in. Whether it was made before or after or in between. I do know that if there was going to be any budgetary cuts in these last three episodes, this was the one that was going to have to have it because they can't steal from the final episode. Right. I mean, that's got to blow it out of the park, I would have thought. Mm. But uh, there was a, f- a few other good things. There was the, the fact that we had at least twice the reference to the fact that the Doctor was in no way human. Um which, of course, refers back to the um, the eighth Doctor story, the Paul McGann and the, you know, part I'm half human and all this that's been, I think, firmly put to bed by now. But again, here was Neil Gaiman stamping his, uh, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, you know, uh, putting his flag on the chest now, whatever right. the word is, uh, that, you know, the Doctor has no humanity in him in that sense. Mm. We have the reference to the... The doctors, but I, I do take the point that visually that didn't work uh, because we've seen it before. We've seen it in the next doctor, you know, when they open those little uh, gadgets and we see projected on the wall the, you know, the past doctors. I think we really needed something more. Right. That something could have been provided by Matt not having to do this, um, you know, on-screen double act, which in the most part I think he pulled off. If if it, if it had been like Dal suggested, the Eighth Doctor, and I think somebody in the uh, today's call suggested it, it might have been uh, we could have had the Valyard do it. I'm not sure if it's Tom Baker's scarf that said that, mm. or um, somebody else on the call. Um, was it? It was either him or Carte Blanche or. Um, uh, Supper sup Salmon but one of those, sorry guys I can't remember which it was at the moment uh, suggested it might be in the Valyard so that you have this inner battle of conscience going on, I think that would have worked rather well but I think the reason, the overriding reason why I enjoyed it perhaps more than anybody else and I'm not rating it a 4 or 5 um, I would say this and Rings of Akatan are the two probably weakest of this series for me personally Um uh, and by week, I mean least strong, because I, I don't think we've had any really poor episodes. Um, the thing is that I thought that Clara was consistent. The way she was portrayed was consistent with the other ones. And I think quite a few people felt as though uh, it, it was slightly off key for her in this one. Um, I think if the children, I, I didn't want the children in the story, but because they were brought in, to me that brought out a mother 
uh, mothering instincts and uh, you know uh, you know I, I won't I won't carry a weapon but to defend children I'll carry a weapon uh, so for me that worked so all in all I'm I'm, I'm not putting myself very well today um, we've had a long weekend folks but um, <laughs> what I would say is that um, the story as a standard Doctor Who story just about worked. There are faults in it. It's probably um, not Neil Gaiman's finest work, although I think on paper it had um, the ability to be so. Uh, whether it was because it was, uh, we've got, um, is this uh, director Stephen uh, Wolfenden's first outing as director? Uh, maybe there's a little bit of inexperience there. Maybe we're getting the whole group was tired by this point uh, because really they've been producing pretty uh, stupendous episodes and quite complex episodes on a, on what seems to be still a fairly tight budget. I mean, the amount of hours that um, Matt Smith is putting in, it's a wonder he isn't exhausted and you know down on his feet. We've already seen images in on the Facebook where he's had his hair cut and he's already doing right. some, epi- nothing to do with to- Doctor Who, this is to do with some, presumably he's on quote unquote holiday now from Doctor Who, so this is something he's doing outside of Doctor Who. Um, so, I, I just think it uh, the, there were flaws and those flaws detracted from what could have been uh, a much stronger episode, but even so, it was no the Doctor's wife, and I think I'll leave it at that because I'm going to start repeating myself. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see if Mike's back from uh, from uh, chasing stuff around with his butterfly net. Uh, Mike, ready? Nightmare in Silver review by Randall Thor. Well, here we are with Neil Gaiman's second episode. This time it's the penultimate episode for the 2013 series. Lots of hype for this episode, all about Gaiman, especially after his first episode, The Doctor's Wife. Here is the thing though, The Doctor's Wife was written as a love letter to their fans. It was a tribute to the show's history. It was set on a junkyard planet. It created a speaking personification of the TARDIS. It features some exploration within the TARDIS itself, and it was an episode written by a long-term fan of the series that was meant to showcase the series itself. It did that well. Nightmare in Silver was never meant to be anything of the above. This was only ever meant to be just another adventure. Perhaps it was aimed to reinvent the Cybermen, to make them interesting once more, to bring back the proper universe Cybermen from the original series. Though at this point, does anyone outside their most obsessive fans care about the difference? This wasn't meant to be anything special. It shows, it definitely shows that this episode wasn't meant to be anything special, anything that remarkable. Neil Gaiman was accomplished at something interesting with these two episodes. He penned one 
the best episodes of Modern Doctor Who and also one of the worst episodes of Modern Doctor Who. There was just so much off in this episode, so much that didn't work. The sum total of the spare parts did just not work out well by any means, and that is the result not just of their writing, but also of the BBC production of the episode. I'll say more on that in a bit. This episode brought along Angie and Artie, the two kids from the Bells that were in Clara's care. Following on from the end scene of Crimson Horror, the kids have travelled along with the Doctor and Clara to some amusement park planet. And why do we have to refer to it as a planet? We never saw that much of the area. It could just as easily have been some area on an overall planet, but whatever. It doesn't make that much sense at a glance why the Doctor brought the kids along. What is happening between the end of the Crimson Horror and the start of Nightmare in Silver? The answer for that belongs to a deleted scene. There are several of those that are mentioned in this review. The following is a brief description of what would have set up the situation. The shooting script was over length and therefore shooting they decided to drop the first four scenes. These would have alternated between the graveyard near Clara and Artie and Angie's house and the TARDIS interior and taking place later at night. This is when we would have first learnt that the kids were into Clara's double life and had insisted upon coming along on the trip. We would have seen Clara talking to the doctor, talking him into bringing them along despite the possible danger, using arguments to do with the relative ages of the doctor and Clara and how really she's just a kid to him too. Artie then would have suggested educational destinations, all of which were from Earth's history and all of which we've seen the Doctor travel to in the series before, so he doesn't want to go to any of those. His compromise is to take them to the amusement park planet, which he thinks will be safe, for which he has a golden ticket. And then the story proceeds with them landing near Webley's Spaceship Museum, as you saw. These scenes would also have established that the Doctor doesn't like having kids in the TARDIS, as he is afraid they will press buttons and cause mayhem. And there was originally a reminder of this in the scene, where he puts the kids to bed in the museum, as he honestly thought that they would be safer than leaving them in the TARDIS by themselves. When the first references were lost in the first four scenes, the later reminder was cut too. As the final episode stands, the kids just sort of seem to be left there suddenly. We don't exactly know why, we're just left to kind of decide that something has happened between the last episode and this, and hey, the kids are coming. The kids don't do much in the story either. They explore a bit, and they interact with characters, and it's ultimately Angie who reveals that Porridge is the Emperor. But their impact on the story is minimal, 
their intended role apparently subsumed by the doctor early in the episode. We see the kids take a nap. We see the doctor dismiss them and warn them not to wander off, which they do, and they get captured, and when they are sort of stand there for most of the episode. We could have had this episode without the kids, and the episode wouldn't have changed that much. In fact, it may have been a better episode without them, but maybe Moffat has some plan for them in the final, or maybe the episode to come. We just don't know at this point. It's a Cyberman episode. Kudos to the title, not including that name. But all the marketing for this episode centered on their appearance. In the interviews, Gaiman talked a lot about having a return to the Wanda Cybermen, to the Cybermen of old. Basically, his idea was to bring back the old Cybermen and to look at them in light of all the changes introduced to that enemy over the decades. Bring them up to date, maybe even make them scary. He loved the silent moving Cybermen of the moon base and found them more terrifying than the metallic stomping around that we have with the Cybermen. We didn't get scary Cybermen. I don't see how the Cybermen that terrifying in the mod new anyway, but we didn't get them here. In a recent Radio Times interview, Gaiman talks about how he wants to eventually scare people with a Doctor Who episode. He mentions that his Cybermen didn't turn out as scary as he would have preferred. And there's a scale that he feels he hasn't scared anybody yet. The Cyberman has a few little scary bits, but it's running at about a 5 of or 6. I would love to do a 9. Gaiman is referring to the old fear factor rating system that the BBC used to allude to on the Doctor Who site where the groups of children would rate how scary an episode was on a 1 to 10 scale. I'm sure Dave remembers this. The Cybermen in the episode were neither scary nor there were they very Cybermen. The original intent behind them was to show the extreme of what was developing in medical science at the time, replacing limbs and organs with machinery. This was to show the dehumanization that machinery brings, and that was just an intriguing idea for an enemy, an idea that was sadly lost with each additional Cyberman story. In Nightmare in Silver, we have robots with no sign of human beginnings. The Cybermen started off as human, remember. These were just robots with all sorts of special abilities that seemed to be both gain and lose as the episode progressed. Remember that super-fast Cyberman early in the episode? Where did that ability go? What would have been useful several times throughout the episode, but the ability had disappeared. The Cybermen stomped around. I'll just address this bit here. Gaiman wanted silently moving Cybermen. His script and the revisions featured silently moving Cybermen. His attention was to have the Cybermen move around silently in the finished episode. 
However, the BBC finally saw this in the post-production phase and added the metallic stomping. It was their decision, not Gaiman's. The reasoning behind this was that they thought fans would think they had made an error with the sound effects. Why aren't the Cybermen making noises when they move? Did they forget to do something? It was a production decision and nothing to do with Gaiman. Also, there was no reason in the final plot to even have silently moving Cybermen. Just a design criticism for the Cybermen. Clearly someone on the design staff loves Iron Man. That is all. Nothing wrong with being an Iron Man fan. Tony Stark is just an awesome character and the movies are great. Just don't make them so blatant with the Cybermen design. The Doctor's internal battle is interesting. However, it makes absolutely no sense in this episode since the beginning the Cybermen have been about the complete absence of emotion. Their first story, The Tenth Planet, made a huge deal out of the Cyberman having removed all emotions, and that's been a trait of the Cybermen throughout their history. Why then does the Cyberplaner have such a range of emotions? Why then is it so active and imaginative and emotional? This was clearly done just to have Smith play both sides of the character, but it just makes no sense given the context of the Cybermen. Other tips for this episode. Clara was originally going to be a Victorian area character, with the children we saw in the snowmen accompanying her. Gaiman had most of the draft finished when he accidentally lost his laptop in an airport, losing the document along with it. However, by that time, Moffat had changed his mind on which version of Clara to use as the companion and had written in the Anginati characters, so Gaiman had to rewrite the script anyway. This seems to be a trend of Gaiman rewriting his script to fit whatever the situation Moffat has in mind. The same happened with the Doctor's wife, was when Gaiman started work on that script Rory was not a companion. He was by Series 6, so Gaiman had to modify his script to include that character. Speaking of things that make no sense, why is Clara suddenly so knowledgeable as a military general? Where did that come from? Again, referencing that Radio Times interview, Gaiman mentions how he originally wrote for the Victorian era version of Clara and how Moffat eventually changed his mind. Gaiman points out how he was told to write the character at that point. He said me that it said, this is what she sounds like, but from that you just make her up as you go along. That last bit is what gets me, and it explains why Clara is the way she is in this episode. In the light of that, I'm brought to my next gripe with this episode. The Doctor's comment about Clara at the end of this episode makes no sense for the Doctor, and is actually quite annoying to put it lightly. The Doctor's comments about Clara being a riddler, enigma, and makes a rather objectifying remark about Clara. 
this is not something I'd ever expect the doctor to say, and it makes no sense for him to have said that. Better that the doctor should have wondered about her sudden military prowess. That comment, though, I can understand why so many people in the internet are complaining about it. I'm doing the same. It was clearly a Moffat line, not something from Gaiman. I've not even yet mentioned Warwick Davis. His character was enjoyable, perhaps the best part about this otherwise unremarkable episode. The reveal about him being the Emperor, however, seemed to both come from nowhere and go nowhere. While it was an interesting character, I don't see where that character is going, and given the trend of Doctor Who, it probably is going nowhere and we'll never see Porridge again, which is a shame. Overall, I was not impressed with this episode, which is a shame given the writer. There was a lot of hype about this episode, but it fell flat, which is kind of what I should have expected, seeing that this was written as just another adventure. That's how this episode will remain, as with the crew of the Empress ship goes off into the night, having scanned their own ship for cyber technology, but never once thinking, hey, let's also scan outside of this ship, uh, just in case there is something floating there outside. And that is the end of my take on this episode. Back to you guys. Mm. Well, I wasn't sure what, which way Mike was going to go on this one, but there you are. Yep, there you are. Well, I guess it's my turn. Um, and just to say that uh, Stephen Wolfenden... Um, uh, his uh, some some pretty good uh, credits there. I actually worked on uh, Neverwhere uh, as uh, first assistant director, uh, and uh, Harry Potter, uh, a bunch of the Harry Potter movies. Uh, so yeah, it's hard to tell. You mean he worked on the the radio Neverwhere? Uh, there was a there was a. I'm assuming it's the 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 the. the uh, it was the a miniseries. Yeah. Nine ninety six TV episode. Yes, it is. Never wear murder most horrid um, insiders. Uh, Big bad world. Yeah, he's uh, had plenty of credits. Um, so it's hard. It, it, it's an odd thing. And here, here goes my review: is, is, is you try to pin it down to whose whose fault is it? Uh, <laughs> is it the director? Is it the actors? Is it the writer? Is it uh, Stephen Moffat? I prefer to blame Stephen Moffat actually. <laughs> Everybody needs a scapegoat. Might as well be him. Um, you know, the CGI was definitely at fault. I really don't know because I keep looking at that one shot and thinking, who's looking at that? Going, that's perfect. You know, um, and why they would use that if it it looked less than convincing. Uh, let me just throw in one there thing there that the trouble is because the cybermen do march mm-hmm. they are going to line up you know in precise formation right. but the very preciseness of that formation gives the cgi even more artificial look i mean you know in the uh, w- with some of these big movies we know they've 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 got this new randomness our uh, fuzzy logic that can put in so that each right. one looks slightly different but you would actually expect these Cybermen, I suppose, if a hundred stood to attention, they'd all have their arms in exactly yeah. the same place because they're regimented. Yeah. But it 
it doesn't work to its favour here. Right. No, and and, and I mean, I, I, the arrangement of them was fine, but it's just, it was just a certain lack of reality to, to that shot. That I mean, it's a nice enough shot, and I can see what they were trying to do, but... Whether they look like toy soldiers, didn't yeah, they? Whether it's budgetary cuts or what, I'm not you know picking holes in their work or whatever, because goodness knows what the their the time constraints they've been given, or you know um, how much money they've been given to do this. You know, they might be having they might have said, well, you've got enough money money that the janitor can work on it. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's hard telling what you know what anybody's given to work with. We don't know what Neil Gaiman was given to work with. Um, we don't know what Stephen Moffat was given to work with budget-wise, and then what he had he had to film out to farm out to to others. It's you know, um, it just didn't work on the whole as an episode for me. Um, but you know, I mean, this 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 the current series, you know, well, the current half of the series has been fantastic up until now. You know, this one was just. It didn't work. There wasn't enough of any everything. There wasn't enough of everything. There wasn't enough um, compassion from um, from Clara to the, to the kids. There was that one area where she was concerned, but then turned to talk to the doctor again, and that's all we got. Uh, I'm not saying that she didn't act it out properly. She wasn't given the opportunity. There wasn't another opportunity given. Then they split up, and she's you know, coming in and talking to the doctor, and then she's got to go back out and help out. Uh, the opportunities weren't there. Um, it, it's almost a shame that this wasn't two parts, and that they were, could spend the money and the time on it to, to make it um, really quite fulfilling. Well, because when you think about it, uh, what was at stake in this one was the doctor's brain being turned over to Cybermen, which is just you know, it's not the Cybermen building a ship and escaping. It's not the Cybermen taking over London. This is them taking the Doctor's mind, time travel, um, regeneration, every secret that that you know he's got in his in his brain. Um, the stakes are really high, but I think because we're so rushed by the the the, the timing of this episode that we just miss too much uh we miss the compassion we miss uh these little background people that you know haha and and the ginge uh, i like that this, this should be a spin-off haha and the ginge um but you know what i mean we're not getting enough background uh the the, the castle wasn't funny enough um we could have done with a lot more background on uh on the emperor I mean, really, we just barely scratched the surface on what the hell he was doing on the planet. Yeah, we can all guess that he's, you know, just trying to run away from his responsibilities. But there's going to be more to it than what started that. What I hate it when a show leaves you with stupid questions um, rather than the intriguing ones like, oh, you know, what does this mean for the series as a whole? Um, what's going to happen next week? Uh, instead, we're like, why? Why is he on the planet? Why is he operating? I mean, it's one thing to walk amongst your people. It's another thing to be sitting in a box operating at the, uh, the carcass of a Cyberman playing chess. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not walking amongst your people. That's hanging out with a crazy man. Uh, anyway, I mean, the, the point is that there's hardly anybody there. But, right. I mean, this is, I mean, right. 
the way they've broken up the series into two halves, you almost feel as though you know we're almost actually in a in a special a season of specials really, right. and therefore any episode that doesn't come up to muster mm. um, it seems like a big loss. Where if 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 like you know we'd have thirteen episodes, fourteen if you count a Christmas special all in one calendar year, right. then you you would think well fourteen. If eight or nine of them are good, we're, I'm happy. Right. But when we're having eight and you're finding one poor one out of eight, I'm making the assumption that next week will, will be good. Mm. So, uh, uh, and people are unhappy. I mean, if if this is the only one that, let's say, 75% of the people think is a poor one, that's still only one episode which has had this much negative things i mean there've been other episodes where i haven't been such a fan but the groundswell of opinion was that it was a good episode um so really this is the i think this is the most negative uh review we've had uh for some time actually right and i think i think you're right i think it's 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 not necessarily whether it's good or bad which it is a letdown episode don't get me wrong but I think what makes it worse is that we've had that good run and now we've been let down and, you know, and, and, and you kind of react, you know, completely, you know, you say, Hey, well, what happened? You know, it's like you fell off a cliff of quality. Um, I mean, it's not fear, her, is it? It's not, um, no, it's not, you know, fear. Uh, it's, but, not uh, it's not even idiots lantern or, uh, whatever else you want to pick um, up, um, Dar- Dar- the beast said, below. <laughs> Dar said the beast below is looking good now. Um, so yeah, uh, for more of what Darth had to say, uh, listen to the Colton Collective. But it's—I mean, I—I I, I, we had time for me to say my piece, um, which I don't know what that says about the this episode as well that we actually got through by five o'clock and got the show wrapped with everybody having a say, including um, Dave and I. So, yeah. um, but. Yeah, so, you know, great hopes for next week. Um, there's stuff in here that you can love. You know, there are some things that are great. Uh, it's just in some parts, I actually think that the poster was better than the episode. Uh, <laughs> and I think the dialogue was better than the visuals. Right. Yeah, there's there's stuff to like if you look. Um, unfortunately, sometimes you have to look a little too hard. And for me, there was just so many opportunities missed of what, you know, could have been going on, and it's not big stuff. It's not like oh, we could have had you know, you know, much better visuals. We could have had you know the planet blowing up properly instead of exploding, and instead of imploding and exploding. You know, um, we could have had a little more character depth. That's that's my big thing. Is we didn't really have enough. Um, you know, we've had it, and even in Stephen Moffat's time, we've had a little more character development in this, and it was just kind of. Just seemed wasted, you know, waste of opportunity. Uh, but that's that. So, uh, yeah, roll on to next week. And, uh, yeah, of course, there's there's also a, a, a prequel. I don't know how you can have a prequel when we haven't had the actual. Well, I suppose now we have had the episode out there already. So it can't be a prequel. <laughs> oh, boy. Poetic justice, huh? Um so yeah, there's a what's it called? He shit. He she said he. She shit. she said he shit. Said. Oh, she, yeah, but she yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might put me right. Yeah, she, she said he said. Yeah. And, and also on the uh, the Baftas Awards that were here in the UK, there was a um, a little fiftieth uh, anniversary uh, 
acknowledgement to Doctor Who there. That will probably be also up on the uh, BBC YouTube site by now, I would think. Excellent. Yeah. All right. And, Ian, you've got a gold ticket of your own, haven't you? Haven't you got a time gate gold yes, ticket? Yes, yes. Uh, for those of you who are in the know, I will be at uh, Timegate in Atlanta at the end of the month. Yes, Memorial Weekend in uh, at the Holiday Inn in uh, just uh, north of Atlanta. Uh, I will be hopefully rubbing shoulders with the other Sixth Doctor, the actual Sixth Doctor. Colin Baker will be there, yes. And Colin Spall. Two Collins for the price of one. Um, so, yeah, uh, for more information, go to uh, uh, the Timegate's uh, Facebook page. Uh, or you can go to, and I've got to make sure I get this right, because there are two Timegates out there. One is a company, and the other is the website um, for the convention. And the convention website is www.timegatecon.org. So yes, um, uh, not long. Uh, I don't think you can get uh, memberships online anymore. Uh, I think you can only get them at the door. Uh, but yes, uh, be on the lookout for me. I'll be wandering around with Colton t-shirts on. Ha ha. Yes, yeah, so it'd be resplendent there. So go up and say hello. Yeah, I may even oh. be wearing my Six Doctor coat. Ha ha. And he won't be offended if you offer to buy him a drink. No, he will not. No. Wish a nice glass of uh, Merlot or Petite Syrah. So, uh, yeah, so get along and uh, take, a, uh, take a look at that. And uh, also, uh, hopefully stay tuned for interviews coming from, from from that event, if I'm lucky enough to sit down with Colin Baker. Please, 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 somebody let me sit down with Colin Baker. Yeah, dream come true for me, <laughs> and uh, very much looking forward to it. So, yeah. All right, enough of self-promotion and... Uh, yeah, waxing lyrical. Until next week, it's goodbye from... Oh, he's off chasing bugs again. Randall Thor. It's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. He's still off chasing, what, is it butterflies now, or is he still after that ticket? Uh, I don't know at this point. It's, uh, he said something about upgrade and process, and just off he went. Ah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.